Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Your physical health is usually easy to talk about. Aches and pains and those ailments that can knock you out for the count. Well, these are things your friends and colleagues can identify with and maybe even sympathize. But what about your mental health? That is the focus of this episode of Wealth is in the Details. And your host, Peter Raskin, has a guest to talk about what can be a difficult topic. I'm Patrice Sikora. Peter, I've got to ask you, why is this topic of interest to you? Well, not only to me, but I think it's of interest to to everyone. (laughs) You you know, when when I'm communicating with people by by email or text, I I often start off with, you know, I hope you're well. And in my mind, it's a a polite way to to start a a written conversation, you know, to express some concern for someone's well-being. And and, and I'm not, when I ask that question, I'm not, I'm not only thinking about physical wellness or in my business, financial wellness. I'm also asking really about someone's mental health because it is, it is just so vital, but people are often willing to share news about their physical wellness. And because again, I'm, that's my profession that they often talk to me about their, their financial wellness. We, we don't always get around to talking in, in depth about their own mental health and, and I'm not a mental health professional, and, and but I but I know this that a person's mental health is vital to their well-being, both to their physical and financial wellness. So it's I I often can tell when people are are in pain or they're they're distracted. Uh, it, it 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 it's clear, but but I think it, it's important to address it in some way, shape, or form in conversations, both professionally and personally. I, I, I also, I think the last bunch of years have really been tough for lots of people, I- including myself and my family. Uh, in past podcasts, I, I've had others in, that are involved in, in, in the health business. I've had a primary care doctor. I've had a dietitian. I've had a minister. I, I, I've even had a, a travel agent, and here I'm thinking about, you know, happiness. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. travel travel can lead to good to, to to lots of fun. I've had a a wine connoisseur on a, who runs a wine store. Um, so I've had lots of different varieties of guests, and and I thought it's time now to have a a, a mental health professional talk to us. You know, everything you said is spot on, Peter. I really agree. So. Please introduce our guest. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited that Ariana Mufson is joining us today. Ariana is a mental health professional. And as I start off all my podcasts with guests, I, I ask them to really introduce themselves and, and talk about their journey, what got them to where they are now and, and, and what's important to them. So Ariana, welcome to our podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Sure. Um, I was really resonating with everything you said. <laughs> you know, I think I think even the World Health Organization believes that, you know, 
anxiety and depression cost the global economy, right? Money and productivity and all of those things. And I think they are all so related. So um, oh, I glad think to be here. They, they are so related. Isn't our isn't our our surgeon general on a is isn't he focusing on on mental health and 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 happiness? Yeah, I believe so. Right. So yeah. So yeah, in terms of my journey, I'm actually a career changer. So I spent about ten years actually in a completely different business in the entertainment business before switching over to mental health. And I think that gave me a really interesting perspective on sort of the workplace business, um, Hollywood competition, the rat race, you know, how how much stress and anxiety is just sort of built into everything in our culture. And it really sort of eventually got to me and made me want to switch and do a big pivot and help people instead and so I actually went back and got a master's in social work. I don't know if people realize that there are so many roots into being a therapist, a mental health professional. And I think it can actually be very confusing because um, we can get to this later. But when people are sort of choosing, there are so many different terms and licenses and, and things like that. But I went the route of social work um, and clinical social work to eventually become an independently licensed private practice therapist. And I knew very quickly sort of what I wanted my specials to be, specialties to be. I really wanted to focus on anxiety. I know that it is the most common and most prevalent mental health diagnosis in the world, actually. And it is also highly treatable, but only about a third of people will actually ever see a mental health professional about it. So I was really sort of passionate about that because it is so treatable. And then I also really wanted to focus on women's mental health, um, especially sort of the perinatal period. And then from there, over the past few years, I've actually gotten specialties in both uh, couples therapy and sex therapy as well. Another two areas that people don't talk about it as much, but can absolutely impact sort of every arena of someone's life. So, uh, yeah, so that's me. And, and how and how long have you have you been practicing now? So I have been practicing in my private practice for about five years, and I've been in the mental health field for almost 10 now. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I was shocked at that, that statistic. So almost a, a third of those that are, are suffering from anxiety, only a third? Well, I would see a mental health professional, yeah. Yeah, wow. That's unbelievable. Well, yeah. in, in in, in your in your time in, in this in this business, what's changed, you know, for the for the good or, or for the bad? What have you seen any changes? You know, I think since COVID, a really positive change has been in sort of normalizing mental health a lot more. I think I think COVID was, you know, the biggest stressor, right? One of the biggest communal stressors I think we've seen um, in a really long time. And in some ways, it sort of normalized having feelings of stress and trying to seek help for those things. And so I think I think that normalization has really helped. I've seen a lot more um, celebrities talking about their mental health, uh, being really upfront about seeing a therapist, right? And I think that, to me, is one of the biggest positive changes that can really help decrease stigma and decrease this idea that 
there needs to be something wrong with you to seek help. Um, you know, I see treating your mental health is very proactive, actually. You know, I wish more couples would go to couples therapy before they actually need help. You know, that's when I love to see a couple coming in, right? Because you you can do so much in such a small period of time and then take that and sort of just be in sort of maintenance and not really need to see someone when things are so cute and so bad. And it's really the same thing for things like, you know, anxiety, depression, it's sort of like the quicker you sort of make your mental health a priority, the prognoses are really, really, really good. So, you know, I think I think that's definitely something that I like to tell people just sort of um, now that the stigma is a little bit lower, getting help, getting indoor is such a great thing. I mean, it's not too different than other aspects of our of, of our health and in our life. If really we, not. Yeah. If, you know, we dress our, our our if we exercise and stay healthy yeah. for for our lifetime, then uh, it's it likely will will be healthier. Yeah, I mean, I relate the brain to things like exercise or physical therapy is a good one that I talk about a lot with my clients, right? That, you know, there is there is something to be said for, for practice, for allowing your brain to have both um, times when it's not thinking and also times when you're stretching it and making it a little bit uncomfortable. All of those things are so good for us. And I think, yeah, we're so used to thinking about that physically, but but so much of it applies to the brain and our mental health as well. Yeah, it's it's a muscle. Um, it is and, exactly, it, and we need to treat it treat it well and carefully, and we need to love it. <laughs> you know? um, exactly. Yeah, so important. You know, it, it, it's been striking to me um, how how social media has has affected me over the the recent years. Mm. You know, the political news, uh, the disasters around the globe that you're hearing about every day. Uh, you mentioned the pandemic. Uh, most recently, you know, horrible wars happening. Yeah. And then, you know, there's this lack of civility that that is there in around conversations, it seems like. You know, that's and that's what we're hearing on the news, you know, 24 hours a day. And I know it's made me feel at, point, at times, angry and sad and 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 fearful and, and anxious, and and I think of myself as a positive person, yes. but all this you know negativity has really crept into my world more than I ever imagined it it would be. And so, what are the what are the healthy ways that 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 you think that individuals and and families can deal with this uncertainty, uh, you know, the, the the pain and and even grief. I think, that we're exposed to on, on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think exactly what you're talking about is spot on. We are at a time right now where sort of no matter where you look, there are stressors, right? And when I talk about stress, I sort of talk about the external, right? So the external being all of the things you named, right? Work, um, war, <laughs> and all of those things. And as bad as they are, stressors are also normal, right? There's nothing we can do about them. We can't just be a hermit, right? <laughs> and sort of put our heads in the sand and pretend that there's no stress in the world. So what I really like to work on with people are sort of healthy coping skills, you know, especially for stress. One of the 
three biggest things that I emphasize are sleeping, eating, and exercise, right? So those physical things actually have such a big impact on your mental health. I mean, we know sleep deprivation, right, is one of the worst things you can experience for your mental health. Anyone who's had a baby, right, can attest to that. And, you know, the the biggest thing stressors do, right, is is often push those off kilter. And so returning to those kind of structural things can be incredibly, incredibly useful. Um, so I always emphasize those first, that sort of your hierarchy of needs. And then when stress really turns into anxiety, I often recommend a mental health professional. So what I mean by that is when the external sort of becomes internal, when it becomes more um, persistent and excessive and it persists after even the stress is over, that's when a mental health professional can really help. And I really, really recommend cognitive behavioral therapy for anxiety or for depression, actually. But sort of what you're talking about, the sort of ways that stressors impact us, cognitive behavioral therapy can be incredibly effective um, in as short as eight to 12 sessions, really. So finding a practitioner who specializes in that can be incredibly beneficial and really um, present skills that are so, so useful for dealing with some of these stressors. And I'm happy to go over a couple if it would be useful. Yeah. Uh, could you could you give us a little background in um, yeah. cognitive behavioral therapy and, and what it's about and, and how it can help people? Hi, this is Catherine Broy from the Raskin Planning Group. Apologies for the interruption. Thanks so much for listening to Wealth is in the Details. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, please visit our website at www.raskinplanning.com. Look for the podcast's show notes and connect with us via social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So cognitive behavioral therapy is a newer branch of psychology. You know, when we think about typical therapy, I think a lot of people have this idea of, you know, the old Freudian psychology, like lying on a couch and talking about your dreams and things like that. And while there are still people who subscribe to psychoanalysis and things like that, the field has really evolved and a lot of new, newer behavioral therapies have cropped up over the last 20 years or so. Um, and so cognitive behavioral therapy has come out of that sort of new line of thinking of behavioral therapy. So we don't just focus on thoughts, but we focus on this idea that thoughts impact feelings, which impact behaviors. So what I mean by that is if we have a thought like, I'm lazy, or, you know, I'm never going to be anything. Our corresponding emotion to that would be, well, I'm feeling sad, or I'm feeling depressed, right? And then our behavior might be, I'm not going to get out of bed. And then that behavior then reinforces the thought. So something like cognitive behavioral therapy says, well, if we can't necessarily change what we think, we can reframe it, though, we can give ourselves different ideas and more realistic ideas as well, um, instead of just these sort of distortions and negative thoughts. And so anyone who's sort of trained in cognitive behavioral therapy will go through sort of this idea of, well, 
if we slow down, if we become really mindful and we learn skills about actually being able to observe our thoughts and separate us from our thoughts, we actually can then respond to them in a different way. And that's what we have control over is our responses. And that can then impact our behaviors and can actually make us feel quite a bit better. Mm. That That's fascinating. Um, yeah. I, you know, I think th- that's what, when we're talking to our clients about their financial planning, I always come back to let's let's worry about let's let's spend our time thinking about the things that we can control. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and and try to focus on that. And so here I'm thinking of you know we can't control uh, interest rates, you know we can't control the economy, right? right. Uh, but we exactly. but we can we can take actions to prepare for those times when interest rates are high or the economy's not good. Um, yeah, that's so interesting and so similar. You know, one of the things I tell people, right, is you can't you can't control your thoughts, right? If I tell you right now to not think about a pink elephant, the first thing that pops into your head is a pink elephant, right? Right. So we, we can't always control those things, right? We can't control stressors either, um, but we can think about the ways we react to them. And we actually can train our brains to have more realistic instead of negative um, reactions to those thoughts. Yeah. And, and like like anything, you, these are these are often learned behaviors, I, I imagine. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not born with all all the skills that you need in this world to to be successful. You have to learn and maybe adapt and and be resilient. Exactly. Yeah. And it's why, again, you know, I, I think it's it's such maintenance to to be seen by a mental health professional because we're not taught these things, right? We're not taught in school how to, you know, think about cognitive distortions and cognitive behavioral therapy. We're not really taught it anywhere. So, um, and these things are incredibly research-based and evidence-based, which is another reason why I think they're so effective and why I really like them as sort of first line of care. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for 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 giving us that that primer on on uh, yeah. cognitive behavioral therapy. I think it's uh, our listeners will really, I think that'll help help people. For those that that do need to see a, a healthcare professional, h- how do they find someone to work with? You you mentioned cognitive behavioral therapy. How do you know that someone is practicing using that tool as a uh, to, to to help people? W- what are the ways to to get into care? Yeah, I mean, I think there are some good sites like Psychology Today and Zen Care. And the nice thing about those sites is you can filter for specialties. So you can actually just check off CBT and it will narrow it down for you. Hmm. Um, in Massachusetts, I don't know if most of your listeners are here probably, right? There is actually something called the William James Interface Referral Service as well, which is really a huge benefit to those who live here because you can actually call them and give them a sense of what you're looking for, what area, what insurance you have, and they will actually try to find you someone as well. Mm. Um, Could you you say that again? It's the William James Interface Referral Service. Yes. Mm -hmm. So so that's someone should just Google that. Yeah. You can Google any of these, Psychology Today, Zen Care. They're all... I would say most of the professionals I know have a listing on on one of those sites. You know, I think word of mouth is really great too, because 
you know, having sort of a referral or someone who who knows you and can recommend someone is always beneficial. You know, insurance sites themselves will often have a list, uh, but those can have pros and cons because they are usually not kept very up to date. And it can take a while to find a practitioner who's actually seeing clients, whereas um, going directly to a practitioner site through their Psychology Today or ZenCare will usually give you more information about whether they're taking new people or not. I mean, I, I, I think what and what I've heard is that one of the biggest challenges today is finding the right person. So yeah. many people are not uh, are, are not accepting new patients. And, and we could talk a, a little bit about insurance in just a second. But, you know, what besides Googling these sites, asking for referrals, what else can people do? Is there any other thoughts? Yeah, you know, I I think it is one of those things where it is so worthwhile to be persistent and to really find someone you mesh with. Um, you know, like everyone, I often have a wait list, but what I will say is that, you know, the wait list does move and I will have sites open up and it really is amazing, you know, how many people will say they sort of want to be on a wait list and then don't respond eventually, those kind of things. So I think it really is like anything else where, you know, being persistent, you know, making sure you stay on wait lists, stay in touch with a provider if you really want to see them, those kind of things are really, really useful. And then again, you know, searching around, doing your homework, using the referral services, I think those can all help as well. And I would, I would imagine that doing this before someone is in crisis um, is really helpful. Yeah, I mean, again, I think that's why establishing care with someone can be so beneficial because once you've established care, if anything does come up, that person is there for you, right? And then you you do have someone who you can check in with from time to time because we just never know what stressors are going to pop up. You know, I mm-hmm. will have clients reach out from to me from two years ago, you know, and if they've been a previous client, I will always try to get them in. So finding, yeah, finding a practitioner when you actually are feeling sort of like, you know, maybe you just need a course of CBT or this or that before things are acute is it can be so valuable. Yeah. It's, it, you know, you don't, you don't only see your primary care physician when you're, um, w- exactly. when you're, you're sick. So it's, it's good to make those contacts. Um, I think what I'm also hearing is that so many providers, health, mental health professionals are, are, are not in the, in the insurance system. How, you know, how can, how can our listeners kind of deal with that? Cause not everyone can afford uh, private pay. Yeah, you know, I think it is. I think it is one of the hard realities of mental health right now within our culture that the insurance system doesn't tend to value mental health in anywhere close to proportion <laughs> to what providers are actually providing. Yeah. Um, so it is it's a really tough one because none of the clinicians who I know personally who take insurance have been happy with that process because insurances are so about reimbursement rates, about reimbursing um, quickly, about, you know, if, if that's your sole income and you have to wait 
three to four months to get paid. And even then things are hung up or you're, you're not getting your rate or they reject a claim or things like that, it would be impossible to have a practice, right? Um, so it really is this sort of broken system where a lot of people do go outside of it into private pay because it is unsustainable to have a private practice with the way most insurances uh, are treating mental health right now. That said, it's really, really useful to ask if your private right if your private pay provider will provide what's called a super bill for most insurances that are PPO. Um, insurances will actually reimburse at least partially after the fact if you submit something called a super bill. Um, and a lot of practitioners are are now doing that so that they don't necessarily have to deal with the insurance themselves. But if the clients are submitting those super bills, um, I know a lot of people get reimbursed quite a bit. So I think that is a really good thing to always check on. And then, you know, I think just, again, really, really being persistent. I think there are people out there who do still take insurance. You just really, really have to look. Sure. And I think, again, pl- planning ahead and um, thinking what your needs are and it, yeah. it, that's all going to be helpful. It's, it's unfortunate that we live in this, uh, it, have this system in place now that just does not seem to be working for everyone. <laughs> There's no perfect system. No. But all of healthcare, I would put under that, you know, there's a there's a problem out there. Um, it, 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 oh, yeah. I mean, insurance extends, is an issue. Yeah. yeah, it extends way past mental health, of course. Um, yeah. You know, I <laughs> I do both mental health, right? And then within that, women's mental health and women's and that sexual health, right? And talk about sort of the hierarchy, right? You know, there's so little money and research in women's health to begin with, and then even less in sexual health. So, so yeah, systemically, the whole sort of medical system um, is really weighted toward valuing certain things above other things. Yeah, it's um, we're not going to. That's one of those things that we're not yeah. going to resolve <laughs> today. Solve it. No. Right. <laughs> Ho- hopefully, we'll, we'll we can stress a, a bit about it and and deal with the anxiety over time. So right, uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ariana, this has been fantastic. I I, I think there's. In, in some ways, you know, we're in very different businesses. We're not acting as mental health professionals, but I know for certain that our our clients' mental health affects so much of, about who they are and what they're doing and the decisions they make. So the work that you're doing is so valuable to to our society and our communities and our families. So thank you for, for, for that and, and thank you thank all mental health professionals for the work they're doing. I just think it's vital. Um, if if a, a listener does want to reach out to you, um, mm-hmm. what is the best way for them to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I have a website, which is www.talk2ariana.com. I'm on Instagram as well. My clinical Instagram always has um, mental health tips and things like that. But my website has my contact information and email and phone. Could you could you say your your the website again? Sure. It's talk the number two ariana.com. Okay, great. And it's and just so our listeners can remember your your last name is Muffson, so if they could probably Google that as well. Yes, Ariana Muffson. Yeah, great. 
Well, thank you very much, Ariana, for your time. And, and this was a great conversation. And hopefully people will take it to heart that in order to stay in good health, you know, speaking to a professional can can really, really make a difference in their world. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Sure. All right. And Peter, how can listeners reach you too? Sure. Um, they can go to my website at, at raskinplanning.com and our contact information is there. And there's, we, we have lots of resources on the website as well, if people are interested. I'll tell you, your discussion today, the two of you, was wonderful. It really brings home the point that don't be afraid to pay attention to your mental health and don't be embarrassed to get support and care too. So I really, I appreciate it uh, very, very much. And listeners, if you haven't already, please follow Peter and this podcast, The Wealth is in the Details, for the latest episodes and share with those you care about. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to The Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corp., a broker-dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.